This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you here. God bless you. Enjoyed worship with you. I believe God will touch your heart today. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. And our ushers would put the Word of God in your hand. Then go with me to Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2. And so we're on our third or fourth week here on our series, The Call. And none of us in here, we, we can't stop pursuing God and seeking God. Even when we get into seasons of, of difficulties and hard and Many times in our life we have the thought it's once upon a time and they lived happily ever after, but it's really once upon a time and then all hell broke loose. And so if that's the case of your life right now, disappointment doesn't have to be the end of the story. And so when I, I look to Father God, he's got his power in one hand and his grace in the other, and, and God wants to help us. So we'll highlight here a little bit more on the call here in a minute, but we go to Revelations chapter 2. And as you get there, the Lord Jesus, he writes to seven different churches. Now, we're going to take just a little bit out of the church to Ephesus. So what Jesus does in the first three verses, he is applauding them. He's telling them, way to go. I I see what you're doing. And in reference to that, he says, "I, I see your works, I see your labor, and I see your endurance. And I mean, it's like he is applauding them. But there's a little shift in verse 4. So we pick up in Revelations 2 verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Now, again, Jesus goes from applauding them to correcting them or even rebuking them. He said, this I have against you. Now, just for a second, let's just stop here and think about this. How well do I do when Jesus corrects me or rebukes me? And he does that through the scripture and he does that through the Holy Spirit. Now when Jesus corrects us or rebukes us, he doesn't do that to punish us or beat us up. He does that because he wants the best for our lives. So he says right here, I got some things against you. Keep reading. That you have left your first love. You have left what was foremost, what was was paramount, what was actually supreme. And and you may have right doctrine, but you may have wrong heart. And so I believe what he's talking about there is you've you've left your desire to pursue him. You've left your desire for enthusiasm and, and zeal. So When that happens, it's like I I just start going through the motions. And it's more about duty than it is devotion. And this may be describing you you right now. But the Lord Jesus doesn't give on. He said, you've left your first love. And so what happens when we get born again? You may have enthusiasm without knowledge. But before long, it's like it flips. You've got, you've got knowledge, but you have no enthusiasm. And that's not a good place to be, that, that God wants us to be excited. He wants us to be passionate. Now, remember, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. This was to a bunch of believers, and to a degree, you know what Jesus is saying? Wake up! 
Wake up. And so he says this to them. But then in verse 5, he begins to give us the, the, the antidote. What do we need to do to get back on track? You've, you've fallen away. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you've fallen. Remember, therefore, where you got off track. And the Lord wants to reveal to us. And so when he says that, look, look what he says very next. Repent. The Lord Jesus tells us to repent. Now, when we hear the word repent, the word repent has several different meanings. One is, I am to confess my sin. But another definition of repent means to actually change my mindset. And then another definition literally means, I need to do a 180. I, I need to quit doing the things I've done. There needs to be a change in my life. And so again, listen, listen. He's writing to the church. He's writing to church folk. Repent. That's a good thing. And after the word repent, there's an and. And he says, repent and do the first works. Repent and do. You know what the, the do the first works is? Is to obey. Obedience plays a huge part in our life as believers. I must learn not just to know what he wants me to do, but I must obey. And it's interesting, all this he's talking to you, and so have you lost your first love? Do you have a passion for God? Do you have an enthusiasm? I mean, can, can you have enthusiasm the same Sunday that the clock moves forward? You can. Something to do with my heart. And so he says, repent and come back to the first works. Why? He ends this verse and says, or I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So you know what he's saying to this church? He said, you can continue to have services, but I've, I've removed the lamp. I've removed from the light from it. So you know what he's telling us? You're just going through the motions. I don't want to just go through the motions. And I don't believe you do either. And so this is, becomes a wake-up call for every one of us. Has, has the new war off? Is the, is the honeymoon stage over as a believer? But I can come back. And so I believe the Lord say, man, welcome. Welcome a fresh zeal. Welcome a fresh passion. Man, I serve God with purpose. Now, I want you to go way back into the, the, the beginning of the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And when we go through this passage, you're going to see that there's seasons in my life where I got to look to God and I got to lean on God. And I believe this is where we're at. So let me highlight just a couple things. The last few weeks on this area with the call, we've seen how the, the devil will he'll try to cut off your call. He'll try to uh, short-circuit it, whether that was through a, a, a parent, a, a sibling, a mentor. And so this week, we're going to take a whole other category that the enemy will use to stop the call of God in your life. 
And he tries to do that within every one of us. Now, when I start reading here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, we'll begin in verse 1. King David right now, he's, he's not King David yet. He's the anointed king. He still hadn't got there. And if you ever study his life, you realize from the time he was anointed to be the king until he actually became the king was close to 13 years. Now, I can tell you when we read this story here, we're getting close. He's getting close to becoming king, but he's still not. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Understand this about this place called Ziklag. It's a place that would be defined as between dream and destiny. Better stated, between prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy. So this place called Ziklag was his interim house, his interim resident, and, and most believe he lived there for about 16 months. So what's going on here, David and his men, and the Bible talks about his men, and we're going to highlight that in a minute, but they had been going on raids to uh, try to supply the family, food and resources. So they're on their way back to Ziklag, back to verse 1. And on the third day that the Malachites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and they attacked Ziklag, and they burned it with fire. So get this picture here. David and his men have been gone for three days, and they're on their way home. And I'm sure they're saying, man, I, I, can't, I, I can't wait to see my wife, my kids. I, I can't wait to eat my wife's cooking. Some of them are saying, man, I need a, I need a shower. I need a hot shower. I can't wait to sleep in my own bed. And so they're coming over this ridge, and all of a sudden one looks and says, that looks like smoke. And when another one said, that smells like smoke. Verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went their way. So when they come there, this is the definition of tragedy. This is tragedy for all these men. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. So their city had been ransacked. Burned, burned to the ground. And I want to highlight this because even when you're the anointed king, victory is not the absence of trouble. Victory is not the absence of crisis. The Lord said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Even if you are the anointed next king of Israel. So the issue is not if I'm going to have tribulation or trouble. The issue is what do I do when I'm in tribulation or trouble? Wow. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices. And they wept until they had no more power to weep. So you see something here. Every one of these men are broken hearted. 
Their hearts were stung right here. And when you see these men weep until they had no more strength to weep, understand this, guys. These guys were bad to the bone, okay? These are men that cut your head off for the fun of it. So we're not talking about a little wishy-washy sissies, okay? But when I read this about them, I begin to get some things that I, I believe the Lord wants to highlight here. God's not against us weeping and crying. That's not a sign of weakness. It just shows the, the depth of their hurt, the depth of their pain. And so God created us, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he created a spirit, soul, and body. I believe every dimension of them, they're, they're wore out. They've cried so much physically that their, their, their eye ducts no longer have any more tears. And within their hearts, they're just broken. They can hardly get their head up. And I believe they're, they're, they're just wore out emotionally every area of their life. Verse 5. And David's two wives, Ahinnah the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmel, Carmelite, had been taken captive. And so when I read this, this could be one of those days that would be called the worst day of your life. Now, King David wasn't exempt. He lost everything also. Now, think about this. In, in one day, he loses his wives. He loses his children. He loses his home. He loses every possession that he had. Now, to help you with that, I'm just like you. We've had bad days before, but I've never had a day like that, ever. So I wonder here if King David's thinking, this, this isn't just a bad dream. This, this is the worst of the worst of nightmares you could ever have. And so you wonder what's going on on the inside of him. Do I just, I just want to stay in bed all day and pull the covers up? But he doesn't have a bed. He doesn't have a cover. He doesn't have nothing. And so he's looking at all this happen. And I wonder if he has the thought, could life get any worse? I'm, I'm at the bottom of the barrel of life. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel right now that you are literally living in the valley of the shadow of death. That's how he feels. But look at verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Now you look and you think, could life get any worse? And now... The people, which verse 1 says, his men, they said, you know what? Let's stone him. Let's stone him. And this is human nature. When bad things happen to us, sometimes the easiest thing for us to do is to blame other people. 
it's, it's his fault. Now, it's interesting to me they do this because didn't they realize he had lost everything just like them? But when tragedy comes at you, when, when life comes at you like this, who do you blame? And so again, one of them has this brilliant idea, let's stone him, let's, let's just go ahead and kill him. And I believe this is voicing their anger, this is voicing their hurt, this is voicing all their pain. And so literally with King David, the tragedy is now compounded. So now we gotta ask ourselves a question. Who are these people? Who are these men that wanted to stone him? Well, the Bible talks about there's 600 of his mighty men. And these were men which the Bible describes at one time they were in debt, they were discouraged, and they were discontent. In other words, by the, the world's eyes, they're a bunch of losers. They were a bunch of nobodies is who they were. But what I begin to find out about King David, day by day by day, he poured his heart into these men. He loved them. He encouraged them. He, he transformed them into men that used to be nobodies now to somebodies. They were giant killers that were trained by a giant killer. He was good to them. And as good as David was to him, you know what he got a witness firsthand? How fragile his friends were. He began to witness firsthand right here how these guys who were caught his, called his friends, their loyalty dissipated right before his eyes. And in saying that, Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you've had a friend. Maybe you've had people that they're loyal to you dissipated. And so, when you don't know what to do, this becomes an example that King David gives us. And one of the first points I want to make today is this, that our response to, to criticism will create in our life a turning point, whether good or bad, destiny or calling. And our response to hurt, our rejection is more important than the event that caused it. How do you respond when people hurt you like this? So I begin to look at this, this passage here. And King David not only shows us what to do, he teaches us what not to do. And so these guys talk about killing him. Let's, let's stone him to death. Let's kill him. And when I read this passage, and I've looked at it over every translation, every commentary I can find, but I can't find him ever opening his mouth toward them at all. That's James 1.19, be swift to hear, slow to speak. And when I'm slow to speak, I'm slow to wrath. I'm slow to anger. And so I'm reading this, and like I can say it again, I can't find where he opened his mouth against them. And so I'm sitting there and looking at that, and I said, what would you do in this situation? 
Well, to be truthful, I would have probably said, all 600 of you, you can kiss my rear. And I can't find anywhere where he plotted revenge. I can't find anywhere where he says, you losers, I'll get even with every one of you. I, I realize this man named King David, he saw and he did things differently than most human beings would do. And let me ask you the question off of this. What would you do? What would you do in this situation? So another point here. The wounds from my heart and the offenses from other people, they are the main reasons that most people stay stuck in their yesterday. I, I can't get past them. And it's kind of like the old movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. It just, it just keeps coming around. Every day it just keeps recycling, just keeps coming around. And I, could it be how I handle criticism? And one of the ways that, that you haven't dealt with it precisely, do, do you replay it over and over and over, not only in your mind, but do you talk about it to anybody that will listen to you? Do you reminisce about it day by day? I know people that when you get around them, all they can tell you is about what happened to them. Well, we're not denying stuff happened to you. But the problem is you've gotten stuck in a fence. And when I get stuck in a fence, the Lord Jesus had great comment about that. In Luke 17, verse 1, he says this, it is impossible for a fence not to come. Impossible. So the question isn't if a fence is going to come. The question is, how do I deal with it? Woo. And so I begin to see stuff here with King David. And so look at the end of verse 6. Because the soul of all the people is grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David. But David. I highlighted this, but David. He did stuff differently. Could this be another reason God said he's a man after my own heart? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know what that means? He said, Father God, I, I gotta have your strength. I, I need your strength and your courage, Father God, because if I do this the way I wanna do it, it's not gonna be good. Ephesians 6, 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I, I need your strength, Father God. And I think that's many of us in here today. I, I need your strength. So when I see this right here, you know what David does? He pursues God. The law of attraction. Who I pursue, that's who I'm attracted to. And so right here, he says, I'm going to stay connected to God and God's grace. But just maybe again this week, 
Maybe, maybe, or, or perhaps there was someone, your friend, your best friend, your BFF, a person that you told your deep secrets to, a person you shared all your heart to, you shared all your dreams to, but guess what happened? It broke your heart. They said stuff about me that was hurtful. They disappointed you. They let you down. They stabbed you in the back. And, and getting hurt is part of life. If it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But it doesn't have to be the end of the story. Think about this right here, this example. It happened to the Lord Jesus. A guy that he had poured his heart into. A guy that he allowed him to do life with him. A guy named Judas. And so when you begin to see Jesus wasn't exempt from it. King David wasn't exempt from it. Me, me and you aren't exempt from it. Life is a journey or an adventure of forgiveness. And a fruitful life for every one of us is not an accident. It's a result of right choices. And so what you don't reveal, God can't ever heal. Wow. So I'm reading this and studying this, and I heard this years ago. This may be something you want to write down when it comes to offenses. And when we get offended in this life, it says this. Don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. But disperse it and reverse it. That's not easy to do, guys. That only happens by, by God's grace. So what you see here is the very first thing that King David does he encourages himself in the Lord. And I believe part of that is he reminded himself of God's faithfulness. I believe he went back and said, you know, when I was a shepherd boy, this is what God did. And, and when I was facing Goliath, this is what God did. And I've seen God's faithfulness over and over and over and over again. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm going to show you a, a little video here, a little clip. And I believe this is how we respond often to offense. Now, you got to pay real, pay real attention to the words here, okay? Go ahead and show that, please. <laughs> Guilty. I pray your brakes go out when you're going down the hill. I pray the fat flower pot fall off the sill and hit you right in the head. <laughs> that, that is so, that is so, so true. But Psalms 34, don't turn there. I'm gonna stay here. Psalms 34, 
Verse one, King David said this, I will bless the Lord at all times. Good times, bad times, sad times, bad times. I'll bless the Lord even the worst day of my life. Wow, what a statement. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's Matthew 12, 34. Then he says, my soul shall make its boast. My confidence is the Lord. The humble, the afflicted shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so what happens in this life? I'm going to magnify something. I'm going to magnify God or I'm going to magnify the problem. So we begin to learn some things from King David, what he didn't do, but what he did do. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now, the ephod was a garment that he would put on. And it's very clear here that Abathar knew when he asked for the ephod, he's going to seek God. He's going to get in the presence of God. And, and when you read this, you begin to get, he was the lone ranger. There wasn't nobody else going with him. He was going in there to do this. So David knew who to turn to for direction. He knew who to turn to for help. But let me ask you a question. Who or what do you turn to for direction or help? I pick up the phone. I call 1-800-HELP. Let me, let, me, let me get a little deeper with that question. Who or what do you look to first? Well, God, I've done everything I can do. I guess I'll pray today. Nothing else has worked. I bet God's thrilled to hear you say that. See, it reveals his heart. It reveals my heart. And so every one of us, when life squeezes us, when we need help, when we need direction, where you're in a crisis, the worst day of your life, who or what do you turn to? Because you're going to turn to something or someone. Whether it's another person whether it's a, a drink, I gotta have a drink. I gotta drown my sorrows. Or did I look to God? So he put on the ephod. And what that literally looked like, he had like a tent. And he went in there with his ephod. And he got before God. Now watch, watch verse eight, what he does here. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Question mark. Shall I overtake them? Question mark. You know what he's saying there? What do I do, Lord? I don't know what to do. I don't know what. Is anybody in here like that? It's okay. I don't know what to do. I got about a half a nostril out of water, Lord. I don't know what to do. But you do. And it's interesting the questions he asked the Lord. And God didn't say, don't, don't ask me questions. God welcomes those. And the Lord answered him. 
Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And so when you look at this right here, those three words, pursue, overtake, and recover all. He got into the presence of the Lord. And, and this is what I believe this looked like when he was in that tent with the ephod. I believe he was down here and he knew this is how I fight my battles. I, I gotta get into the presence of the Lord. The first thing he does, he strengthened himself in the Lord. And notice there, he strengthened himself in the Lord before he inquired of the Lord. He said, I gotta, I gotta get my heart right. I gotta get my heart on the same page of God. And then he inquired of the Lord. See, many times we want to inquire of the Lord. I don't want to change my heart. I just need you to answer me. The great sugar daddy in the sky. I want what you can do for me. I don't want you. But can you imagine when he heard those words, pursue, overtake, and recover all? Can I tell you what I believe happened? I believe the flap of that tent flew open. And King David came walking out and all those 600 men, they knew King David had the eye of the tiger. Something had risen back up in there. And just watching him put hope back in these hopeless men. And I believe every one of us in here, we need a word from God. I would rather have $50 and a word from God than 5,000 in my own plans. And he said, I need a word from God. Well, I'm gonna give you a word from God right now. Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for me, who can be against me? <laughs> Better stated, if God be for me, everybody else might as well be. It's interesting what just took place right here with this guy. See, getting hurt is is reality. Getting stuck and staying bitter is reaction. He never harbored offense or unforgiveness. And you know what I found out about forgiveness? Forgiveness is a lot like money. We love to get it, but we sure do hate to give it. And so I wonder in all this with King David, if just maybe Matthew 5.44 was in his heart. And Matthew 5.44 says, Lord, I bless those who curse me. And I pray for those who spitefully use me and forgive me. Even men that look like they were my best friends. They spitefully persecuted and they spitefully used me. But he said, I'm not, I'm not going to allow unforgiveness. I'm not going to allow a bitterness to come in. And so you want to see how the story wraps up just a little bit? Look at verse 18. So David recovered all that the Malachites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small, greater sons, daughter, spoil, or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all just as God had spoken to him. But none of this happens if David doesn't get strong in the Lord and he doesn't inquire God. And so I look at that and I think, 
How many things in my life have not taken place because I wouldn't willingly choose to go before God and say, God, I need your strength today. I need to hear from you today, Lord. And I believe that's for every one of us in here right now. So when you feel like you're ready to quit, you're ready to give up, and your BFF has turned his back on you, and my world is falling apart, what do I learn from David? Keep my mouth shut. His mama used to say, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. He didn't, plot re he didn't plot revenge. But the things he did do, I gotta get in the presence of God. I gotta get in the presence of God. Why don't you stand up here with me? I'm just gonna throw this in. Not long after this happened in Ziklag, David became the king of Israel. It was finally manifested. And, and I, I just wonder when I, I say that, that if the devil's last straw to try to break David's back was it, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after you with the friends that have been loyal, that you thought they were loyal. And every one of us in here are going to go through situations like that where you feel like you're betrayed. I mean, I, I've gotten times in my life where I, I don't want to be around people because they stab you in the back. They're good as long as you do everything they want them to do. But when you don't do what they want them to do, they're no longer your. But I can't live that way. You know why we can't live that way? Because your calling and my calling is always centered around people. It's always going to be about people. So just bow your head right there, right there where you're at. maybe today you said that's happened to me pastor I had a friend who did that to me broke my heart maybe even a step further I had a friend who said they were a Christian they daggered my heart I, I had a friend that I went to church with and he stole my girlfriend. Wow. See, we look at those things. And the devil will use anything he can to break our heart and to get us off track. And understand this. I'm not saying in any form or fashion that what happened to you wasn't real. It was real. But again, I got to look at what what, what the Lord Jesus said and then look at the model that David gave me 
So a couple things here this morning. Have you left your first love? Man, I need a passion. I need a zeal. I need need a, a fresh enthusiasm from heaven to come upon me. I I don't want to be more excited about the basketball march madness. I don't want to be more excited about the the professional bull riding event. I don't want to be more excited about the, the newest movie. I want a passion for God. I need a passion for God. I need a touch from heaven right now. If that's you, I welcome you to come forward. Well, you say, that's me. I I need a touch from God today. That's some coming. It's a good thing. Just the goodness of God. Just the goodness of God. You feel like you've just gone through the motions. The honeymoon season spiritually is over. Well, the honeymoon season may be spiritually over, but you're still married to Jesus. And you know as well, if you've been married very long, I'm I'm telling you, you wake up one day and it's no longer Prince Charming. It's like, oh, Jesus. The breath of a thousand camels. But I'm still married. And if I'm going to be married, I might as well have some passion about it. And I believe that's the same right here. If you need some kingdom passion, just come on down. Are you watching my live stream? That may be you right there in your living room. Come on, let's just raise our hands here to heaven. You ones that are down here right now. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, every one of us that are here today, Lord, we, we ask you to bring us back to that first love. Bring us back, Lord, right now. To, to the supreme, the paramount. Bring us back, and Lord, you said, from the place I've fallen. And Father God, every one of us in here that we're fallen, we've fallen, we've gotten off track, Lord. We ask you to pick us back up. Restore us, move us back. Relight that, that lamp on the inside of me, Lord, where I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the city that's set on a hill. I am who you say I am.
Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.